Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Curtain Call. It's been a while since we've done this show, but joining me as always is Tommy Jagai, editor of Still Curtain, and I'll be your host today, Shane Kubis, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, contributor to Still Curtain. Tommy, it's been a while since we've done this show. But I wanted to make sure we started now before the playoffs get started. I think it'd be a good time to talk about the season, talk about the Steelers a little bit more in our more laid back, relaxed way than our main show. Obviously, we're trying to be real professional and you know up to snuff on that show. We can mm. be a little bit more fun on this one, so <laughs> it could be a good time to do that. It's nice to get back to it after the holidays, Shane. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, the power's back on here. Uh, yeah. If the Steelers get that weather in, uh, on Sunday that we're having here in Corey, Pennsylvania right now, well, it's going to it's gonna be a low-scoring affair. Yeah, there's a lot of places around the country right now dealing with winter storm and winds and all sorts of stuff. We're getting a little bit here. I'm closer to the Pittsburgh area, so we are definitely getting it. But unfortunately, with the, way this, uh, the season, we'll not be having a home playoff game, so we don't have to worry about the weather around here. But you're right. If it is that type of weather up in Buffalo, it could definitely impact things a little bit here. So uh, before we get started, just to let you guys know if there's anybody in the chat that want to ask any questions about the Steelers season and anything to do with the Steelers, we're kind of breaking down the regular season, our thoughts on that biggest takeaways we're going to start with that here and some other things going on around the league as well so um looks like we do have a couple comments here oh still good morning good morning to you guys if you're if it's morning where you're at right now mm-hmm. um definitely uh, let us know how your morning's going and how you're feeling about the Steelers going into the playoffs here but let's start here with our biggest takeaways from the regular season so there's, there's a lot of things that happened this regular season that was not exactly expected um we'll just put it that way a lot of things happen that can't really predict between the different quarterbacks we've had to to play with and play against, honestly, that's another thing, you know, there too, and how the AFC <laughs> uh, stacked up and just all that. So uh, what is the biggest takeaways from the regular season for you, Tommy, as far as the Steelers go? Man, I think that you talk about the quarterback thing. I don't think that anybody would have envisioned playing the stretch of quarterbacks. The Steelers played down the stretch. You go back and look at that list. Yeah. No Joe Burrow, no Lamar Jackson. And the last game they were resting guys. So it, I know that it's it's kind of it's kind of mutual. It kind of cancels out because the Steelers were playing their third string quarterback. So is what it is. Uh, but that's one thing to know. And so the, the level of competition gets drastically harder uh, entering this playoff game here with with Josh Allen. They haven't seen a quarterback like that in a little while now. Uh, but as far as the takeaways for the Steelers go this season, like I thought the the offensive line during the second half of the year they really pulled things together. I know some people were nervous about the Siamalu signing early on. I think he's killed it. Like these last six, seven weeks, uh, maybe had oh, the yeah. best game that, that he's had as a Pittsburgh Steeler uh, just this past weekend. He just ro- uh, grading roads. And so uh, I think as the line goes, so did the running game and, and the running game really picked up to become one of the best units in the league. Najee and, and Warren became one of the best tandems in the league. And I think that that largely helped aid them uh, in that final stretch. And so what was very uh, peculiar to me though, Shane was, the running game was working when the Steelers were losing prior to that. So obviously if we look at the biggest takeaways from this year, got a point to Mason Rudolph. I, I, it's not just him. There's a collection of factors here. The Steelers cut ties with their coordinators and Pickett, unfortunately only got uh, less than two full quarters of play after his first start, which was a 16 point game. And I know everybody's like, all right, you got to put more points on the board. Uh, his first game with, with Faulkner and Sullivan as, as uh, calling the shots there. And so uh, the yardage output was what we wanted to see was over 400 yards. Pickett gets injured the next game in the second quarter. Trubisky comes in. It was, it was disastrous. So Rudolph really became uh, like the focal point of this team. And and the big storyline this year was you don't often get down to your third quarterback. And when you do, it rarely results in a playoff berth. And so I think that was, the biggest storyline from the offensive side of the ball uh, on defense, Shane got to look at another phenomenal season by TJ Watt. Oh, yeah. I know that mm-hmm. when you look at him in terms of pass rush, win rate, the pressure uh, pressure rate, that kind of stuff, he's not going to be in the same tier as Micah Parsons, miles Garrett. Some of the guys at the top of the list who take more snaps uh, off on the sidelines to recoup and just doesn't have the same physical juice as some of those uh, freaky athlete guys like that. 
but very, very good season all around. Graded out, I think, as the fifth best edge defender in the league this year. Led the NFL with 19 sacks. Uh, just loads of production like he always does. And so showed up big. And so uh, it, it pains me that he has this knee injury. I wish I could give him, I'd say one of my knees. I've already had an ACL yeah, you, in my, yeah, in my I mean, right knee, but I can give him my left knee. Shay. Yeah, knee just, the MCL, just the MCL. Just the MCL. That's right. So it's not as bad. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what you said is definitely the biggest things. I mean, the, the quarterback situation across the league and especially with the Steelers too, just so many backups, second, third, fourth string even in some cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can technically say fifth string with our rivals over the Browns there too, but just so many teams that had quarterback issues or quarterback you know, injuries, and yet a lot of those teams are still in the playoffs. I mean, the Browns obviously the big one. Uh, the Bengals weren't that far off. We make it like – a lot of teams that had some issues at the quarterback position still found a way to kind of get things done. And for me, I think the biggest takeaway, though, that I would look at, and, and this is just because of the, the way things played out, is the resiliency of this team, right? This is a team that kind of in the middle of the season, even when we were, you know, seven and three, seven and four, or whatever it was, there was a lot of questions we had about what kind of team this was. And I still think a lot of those questions are obviously still there, but I think for different reasons where, the seven and seven mark when we had when we had to win those last three games because of the disappointing losses to the Patriots of the world and the Cardinals. Who, hey, that Cardinals loss doesn't look as bad the way they kind of play down the stretch. No, they're they're pulling it together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So still, but some rough games in there that we definitely mm. should win. A team that wants to go to the playoffs should, normally would have to win, but we pulled out the end thanks to the Titans, who we'll talk about their situation a little bit actually because of a head coach that got fired there. But the resiliency of this team to win those last three games, and I know the Ravens game was against backups, whatever. They still got it done. They're on their third-string quarterback. I mean, technically, the Ravens had the edge of quarterback for technically, if we're trying to be technical there, even with, with Mason playing there. So I think the resilience of this team, and I think the decisions that Tomlin made down the stretch really turned things around because there was a lot of questions about him, too, at that point in the season. You know, Is he the guy that's going to get this team back to the playoffs even this year, but in the future? Is he going to stick around for a long time? That, there was questions about that from us and from the rest of Steelers media, right? So his decision-making to, one, go to Rudolph when Trubisky didn't work out, to have the, the really just the fortitude to say, okay, I know that there's going to be some questions about this. I know that Mason probably should have started from the get-go based on his playing. We need to we need to do something else, right? And then to stick yeah. with him despite Pickett being healthy because he knows that you know right now things are working and he doesn't want to upset that balance, right? All those are things that some other coaches might not do, right? They might not be willing to tell the the first round pick like, "Hey, I know you're healthy, and it wasn't your fault that you got hurt, and you weren't playing bad when you got hurt." But right now, the offense is working mm-hmm. in a way that it hasn't this year. So, yeah. I think all those are big things. And like you said, defensively, another thing, I got to give it up to the young guys, Joey Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. having a season that was worthy of of his pick, not just his pick, but a top ten pick in my opinion. I think he could have easily been a top ten pick based on what he's done this year. As a rookie, and then Keanu Benson. I know he didn't play as much as we would like him to. Um, and Herbig as well, kind of in that same category. Both of those guys make impacts despite not having huge snap totals. And now Herbig especially mm-hmm. might have to kind of jump that up here in this, in this playoff game. We'll talk about that too. But the rookies really kind of showed out this year, especially defensively. Yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, certainly uh, reason to be encouraged about this rookie yes, class as we absolutely. move into the future because I think it's going to be rock solid. I think it it has potential to rival that 2017 class. Uh, mm-hmm. not, they're, they're not getting a TJ Watt out, out of this. No, class, I don't think so now, but it's been like five straight years of like constant mediocrity at best in the yeah, NFL draft. One and hit finally, year and, yeah. it, I know and it lo- really looks like so far, Shane, they have struck gold with this. I mean, if, 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 uh, if Broderick turns out in which it looks mm-hmm. like he's going to, you mentioned Porter, I think Porter has a chance to be one of the lockdown cornerbacks mm-hmm. in the NFL. There are not many guys built like he is with the physicality and the, the ability to hip and mirror the way that he does. And so I think it's just going to be a, a really, really solid class all around that can kind of rebuild the foundation of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I did see some people, and this is now this is showing some people's age or lack thereof, but there was people telling me this is the best Steelers mm-hmm. class ever. And it's like, guys, do you not know like about uh, yeah. these? There's a whole yes. class that was basically just Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah, like seven mm-hmm. like let's pump the brakes. Like really good class. I mean, recent history, sure. But yeah, it's yeah. it it is funny. But no, I think those guys are, are definitely the kids are all right for sure. Right, we'll we'll say yeah. that. Um, but let's move on to some stuff here with the Steelers and the playoffs. Right, again, we weren't sure about the playoffs. We got the win against the Ravens, and we needed some help. And luckily for us, Derrick Henry is still that guy. Uh, he is still Jaguar killer. He 
really helps take that team down. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. There's some talk about the curse with the terrible towel, that whole thing. You know, I don't know how much I believe it, but I will say if you're an NFL team, if you are a player on an NFL team, if there is something that is considered sacred to the other team and you beat them and you mess with it, mm-hmm. just know that if karma's out there, it's probably not on your side. Maybe just don't. Maybe just take your win, get out of there, live to see another day. Because if you're the Jaguars fans right now, if you're the Jaguars team, you are reeling after it. Eight and three at some at one point was being eight and three, and to finish nine and eight, yeah, missed the playoffs. It's real devastating. But we're not going to worry about them. We're the ones that that seven seed. We're the ones who get in there. So Steelers are in the playoffs. Can they make some noise? This is the question because we all knew that there was a good chance, especially even when it, we were seven and four, and even going into the year, we knew there was a good chance they could they could compete for a playoff spot. And even though it looks kind of dire there for a while, we end up getting in. That was never really the question. It's can we do anything now that we're here? And, and I think weirdly enough, I'm I'm more confident now that they would have a shot in a playoff game than I was at any point during their better stretch in the season when they were seven and four and and kind of re- rolling a little bit because the offense has shown some life mm-hmm. on Mason Rudolph and because the, the coordinator change happens and you get a chance to build up some things, get some things set up where you can go to your run game even more confidently. You can do some more stuff in the passing game. But we have a tough road as a seventh seed. We have to go to Buffalo to start off, and they, they're obviously on a roll winning their division, beating the Dolphins in the last game of the year. So I'll just throw it out there. Do you think that they can make some noise in the playoffs, even if it's just giving the Bills a tough game? I've never been more optimistic about this 2023 Steelers yes. throughout the season than we are right now. And it's because they have scored points in these last three games with Rudolph, uh, the, the switch in the offensive coordinator. Prior to that, there was just no reason to believe that a team averaging 15 offensive points per game <laughs> is going to compete with anybody. And so it, it's kind of like you look at the New England Patriots. like They're a legitimately bad team, not because their defense is awful, but because they can't score points. And that's kind of how it felt. Uh, the Steelers were kind of like a glorified version of that early on. The ability to put uh, two 30-point games in the final three games of the season. And obviously, things could have gone differently, I think, in Baltimore had it not been just like this mud bowl, like torrential downpour. Uh, So scoring 17 in that game. I mean, Rudolph obviously completed 18 of 20 passes. And I think he broke the completion uh, percentage record, which, I mean, it's kind of just a a meaningless stat at the end of the day. Uh, But it still goes to show you that things have been better. And so, yes, more encouraging. However, the Steelers are the biggest underdogs, not not surprising, the biggest underdogs in wildcard weekend. Uh, that line has moved Shane from nine and a half points in favor of Buffalo up to 10 points now. So it's getting bet the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that a lot of people are confident in this team. And again, you look at the factors here. You are going into a playoff game with your third string quarterback and without your best player more than likely. And so that that is what kills me because – I've seen TJ Watt play so well against Josh Allen and the Bills before where he really gets him flustered. He contained him uh, from escaping on his edge. I think he had a three-sack game against the Bills in the past. They only allowed 16 points in that game. Last year when the Steelers played the Bills, it came in week five. Kenny Pickett was the quarterback. You did not have TJ Watt. He was out with the pec tear. The Steelers lost 38-3. to And so the Bills have that kind of upside to have one of those games against you. And so it makes me wonder, you even look ahead at a factor like the weather, Shane, like does the, does bad weather potentially favor the Steelers this week? Will it negate some of what uh, the big playability from Buffalo's offense? Is it going to hurt the Steelers in that way? Should they, should they, do they need to have a game like they kind of had in Baltimore where it's like, we'd rather have bad weather. And that way it kind of neutralizes the playing field a little bit here. Uh, A lot of factors to consider this week, but like you said, I do think there is at least some reason to be optimistic uh, because of, the games that we have seen from Mason Rudolph, can he string together a couple of those dime throws on those deep posts where guys can run after the catch and and make a big play for a touchdown like we've seen uh, each of the past three weeks. And so if he can do those type of things, even just one house call like that, that could be enough to shift the tides in this game. The big question obviously becomes, what can you do without TJ Watt? Can you get enough pressure going against Deion Dawkins and, and, and Spencer Brown? Uh, with what you have available, can Highsmith have the game of his life? Like, I think it's going to come down to those type of questions this week. 
Yeah, we have some uh, chats here real quick uh, talking about the game. Everyone's writing off the Steelers again. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, they're going to, with the way that they're playing versus the way the Bills are playing. Um, more Mason Rudolph magic here from Jeremiah. He's uh, one of the guys from the Steelers Realm podcast I, I guessed on as well. I'm glad to see you here, mm-hmm. Jeremiah. But, yeah, again, I think that there's more reason to believe than normal that the Steelers can win a game with just without T.J. Watt in general, right? Because this is not just mm-hmm. a, a normal game. We're 1-10 in 10 when games he doesn't play. Um, I think it's updated uh, what you yeah. what you uh, tweeted out here recently. But again, like that's kind of my biggest factor is I think if a healthy TJ Watt was in this game, I'd be much more willing to pick the upset. But because he's not in there, it comes down to what do you get from Golden and Herbig, right? And I, and I think more importantly, how do you use them? Because I think Golden, to me, at least what should happen is he should get a lot of the early down work because he is the, the more stout defender. He's, he's mm-hmm. bigger than Herbig. He's more experienced. I think you leave him in on early downs, but I think Herbig has to be the primary pass rusher on third downs because he has the juice. He has the bend around. Yeah. Like, I think if they use those two correctly, you could get a facsimile of TJ in terms of how they use him. And I think Herbig can also do some of the drops, like spot drop coverage that TJ does and all this. Stuff. So you can mimic a lot of what you do. It's just not going to be obviously to the same level, really probably close to the same level. But I am more confident than ever that they can at least be competent opposite Highsmith versus the last couple of years where mm-hmm. it was pretty much him or nothing if TJ was out. So I will yeah. give them that, that it does make me feel a little bit better. But kind of like what you said, I think a lot of the factor of this game is going to be the weather, actually. I think that might be the biggest kind of equalizer here is if the weather's bad. And that's not saying Josh Allen can't play in bad weather or they can't throw or whatever else. But him and Diggs have been kind of off this year, especially down the stretch. Gabe Davis might not, probably won't, if I had to guess, play in this game with his knee injury that he had. They said that it's kind of iffy, but I feel like they probably believe that they can get past this without him, so they don't want to risk him getting hurt. You know, there's a chance that a lot of their deep passing game isn't going to be there without him and without Diggs and, and him working well together recently. If you can prevent the big plays and mm-hmm. you can and you can coax some of those mistakes out of Josh Allen that he's been prone to this year more than ever – as good as he is, he he might give you just enough opportunities to score points where you can can at least stay in the game with them, right? And I think the run game is going to obviously have to dominate. You have to stop their run game. That's kind of been the catalyst of their turnaround is James Cook is a runner and a receiver. All those things are things that you can take advantage of, I think, in a weather game where Najee and Jalen can hopefully control the line of scrimmage, control the ball, and let Mason just have those hopefully a couple opportunities to make some plays. Yeah, and going back to the pass rush for a second here, Shane, this is not a situation like it was the previous year where you've got now Malik Reed suddenly thrust yeah, into the lineup the who has no business really being on an NFL roster, honestly. And so yeah. your your depth is a lot better than the snaps that they've played. And so I've said all season long, I think that Watt should be resting more, Highsmith yep. should be resting more, and Golden and Herbig have proved to be solid and capable players when they're out on the field. Now, having said that, you do not have the threat of a presence like TJ Watt this week. And so everything that you would normally shift to Watt is going to be shifted to Highsmith, I would have to imagine. But I completely agree with the game script. You should be playing Golden on the early down work. Not that he can't get after the quarterback because he can. We've seen some good examples of that, and he's graded out really well this year. But that's Herbig's forte. Like, that is his his specialty. Let him go. Even even put put him on watts side over there as the left edge have him go against a six foot nine spencer brown and see if he can just dip right underneath him and get a quick pressure because i think you're going to want that guy on the field in pass rush situations uh to maximize his ability there and knowing that he's small undersized uh when it comes to the run defense stuff so i will be interested they can't sustain another injury at that position if you do you are going to be toast and you're going to have to play some oversized guys there just to try to make up the difference. And so you got to, you got to come away with this unskied there. You need to be healthy coming out of that game. If they are to pull off the upset here. And then you talked about the defensive backfield. I think it's going to be Porter that, that mirrors digs. And I think that that's the right call. Like you have to let anybody else beat you. Gabe Davis comes back, whatever. If he beats you once or twice down the field, we can live with that. You cannot let digs their, their biggest threat on offense kill you. And I think that uh, having Porter, match him all over the field is the right call. The one that I really worry about, Shane, really worry about. I think Dalton Kincaid can have one of those like nine yep. catch, 90 yard mm-hmm. type of games that just keeps moving the chains and the Steelers can't get them off the field. 
They've got to find a way to to tighten the, the, the chains a little bit there uh, when it comes to their linebacker play. I think having Minka back is going to help. But again, the guy has missed so much time this, yeah. this year uh, with the hamstring injury, with the knee injury. I don't know how good he's going to be right away coming his, his first action back in like four weeks. And so uh, I'll be interested to see what happens there. But take away that biggest threat and hope that you can force Josh Allen in a couple of bad decisions. Yeah, there's this thing. Josh will make those decisions. He will just throw it into coverage because he thinks he can get away with it or just because he's willing to do it. And, you know, I respect his game. I really do. I think it ultimately works out because obviously they win the division and he has all the touchdowns and everything. So I'm not going to hold the tur- turnovers against him too much, especially because a lot of them tend to be like, you know, I'm just throwing this third and 12. I'm throwing it to the end zone. If it gets picked off, I don't care. And mm-hmm. I think there's an element of truth to that. Like, right. Does it really matter that much if it gets picked off in the end zone, if it's a, if a third and 12 and you're going to punt anyway, like it, yeah. you know, it, obviously you don't want to have a Hail Mary uh, return situation like the Jets had earlier. This year, if you remember that one against the Dolphins, that that's not good. But outside of that, it's not so bad, but I think like you talked about the defensive backfield is going to be so important because we're going to have the healthiest version of it that we've had in quite a while. At least we should. KZ is going to be allowed to come back. We'll see if he's you know up to par conditioning wise. I think they talked about that. Minka should play. You know, is he going to be as much as he normally would? I I hope not. Honestly, I kind of hope we don't have to play him all the time. I think Thompson should be back probably. Rowe, like all these guys, we have a lot of safeties now. The linebackers are still questionable for sure. I think Jack has performed relatively well. I think him having yeah. fresh legs and his knees aren't tired yet and, and all that probably helps, but. Yeah, I don't, it's going to be really tough to stop this offense because even if, again, Diggs isn't a huge factor, let's say Porter can lock him down mostly or just those two aren't on the same page. Kincaid's a threat. Khalil Shakir is a guy I like a lot. He's he's had a lot of good plays for them this year, had a big play against the Dolphins. Like They have guys who you have to worry about, not even to mention James Cook in the running game like I talked about before. So mm. it's going to be a tough, tough one no matter how you look at it. And even if everything goes our way, it doesn't mean we'll win, but – I think people would be surprised at, at how tough this game could end up being for the Bills, though. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And like you said, weather conditions obviously play a factor. Mm-hmm. You need to have Allen, I think, have one of those games. And uh, yep, there's a question raised, which one would we'll be facing? Yeah. That's the problem. That's Are we going to get the Allen that, that's going to make it – have a put up a 38 point game like he did last time around when these teams face each other last year, or is it going to be the guy that throws two picks in the red zone like he did against the Dolphins last week? Gave them a, a fighting chance in that game. And so, and really, if it wasn't for the big kickoff return, I mean, the Dolphins they hung with them right there. And really so, uh, I, I think the Steelers will have a chance to hang. I really do. Um, at the end of the day, it's hard to predict them as winners when you are such heavy underdogs. Yeah, I know this would have been the case. Yeah. Uh, and, and I heard uh, this would have been the case whether or not they were playing in Kansas City this week uh, or in Buffalo. The line would have been pretty similar. Uh, and, and it goes to show you why. I mean, again, Steelers are without their best player. They're starting their third-string quarterbacks. You've had holes at linebacker, cornerback, and safety. And so you really need to – if there's a time for everybody to just be all on the same page like it's right now. So what you can't do, and I will say this definitively, you cannot have another game where George Pickens is not targeted. Yeah. I love the way that he handled it. Uh, great, showed yeah. more maturity than he has throughout his college career and hit NFL so far combined by being a good teammate and, mm-hmm. and celebrating with his team despite not getting targeted. But you've got to throw to the guy. You are not going to be able to have one of these games where you can come away with a victory if you do not target George Pickens. He's going to have to make some of those plays down the field, maybe even escape for a big score. Uh, you're you're going to need to maximize your big play ability as much as possible, and throwing to him is going to be part of that. Yeah, and this secondary for the Bills has been decimated by injuries at different times and just poor play. I mean, I have a lot of Bills guys I talk to, I do stuff with, and one of them, I mean, the safety duo of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer has been great for you know mm-hmm. a long time. They are not the same players anymore. Yeah. And I think you can take advantage of, like you said, some of those post routes and the things over the middle of the field. If you give them an opportunity to split those safeties, I think both the top receivers can definitely do that. Um, even a guy like Calvin Austin, I know we haven't seen much from him in the passing game for a while, but he's always a threat to break one open, especially on a defense like this. And it's going to take some big plays in the passing game. And I think Mason has shown enough for me to believe he can get some of them. But again, it's Mason Rudolph, right? Like we, we know what he is ultimately. And as much as that's another thing, we'll talk about this probably more as the season you know ends and whenever we get in the off season, but there's been so many people saying like, ah, oh, it's, it'd be idiotic if Mason isn't the unquestioned starter going into 2024. And it's like, guys, listen, no one was more 
willing to advocate for Mason to be the starter whenever Pickett went down than me, right? I am 100% on board. I was like, I do not want to see mm-hmm. that man Trubisky get on this field. I don't <laughs> care how much they're paying him. I would rather pay him to go home. Like, I was on that train. But for you to say that Mason Rudolph has earned the ability to be the unquestioned starter going into 2024 is just asinine. I'm sorry. It, it's a cool story. I'm really happy for him. I think it's going to extend his career for a long time, whether it's with us or someone else. But we need to stop with this, right? I don't know what the answer is a quarterback. I'm not going to pretend like I do or know what they're going to do. But if that's their plan, I I don't know. That's all I'll say about that. So. Yeah, I, I think that would be a pretty condemning against the front office if you were willing to go into next season saying, we're just going to let Rudolph and Pickett duke it out, and that's that. I mean, that is our quarterback race. And so you've got to find – you've always got to look for ways to improve. Yeah. And, and again, nothing against what Rudolph has done. I think it's been spectacular. But if we look at this for what it is, it's a three-game stretch. We'll see how he does in, in game number four here uh, of his fourth game since playing in back in 2021. Rudolph will be a 29-year-old quarterback next season going into his seventh NFL uh, NFL season with, I mean, less than 20 starts under his belt. And we're going to say, this is, this is now our franchise quarterback. Always look, never, ever settle at the quarterback position. That's been my philosophy until you know, and and I've said this before too, Shane, when you have a franchise quarterback, you will know it. You will not have to question it. it. I'll give you an example. The, the, the Houston Texans, no, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, yeah, they've got do. a franchise quarterback. When you have one, like we did with Roethlisberger, you will know it, and it will not take as long as it has with Kenny Pickett, unfortunately. And I don't want to dampen anybody's hopes there that that's going to turn around, but you will know it. And I think that you typically know 99% of the time, you know early on, and you know before his first 25 starts, unlike Pickett. And so I think that if if Pickett, if Pickett finds a way to make it work at this point, going into age 26 season in year three, he will be, that'll be a rarity compared to what yes. we've seen in the past. Like these guys and these teams aren't unfamiliar with that. Like the jets knew Zach Wilson's not their guy. That's mm-hmm. when they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. The 49ers knew Trey Lance wasn't their guy, despite trading three first round picks for him. So they played the guy that they believe is their guy. And, Pro- and Brock Purdy is going to be that guy for them. And so don't stop until you have that guy is my philosophy. And when you know it, or, or when you have it, you will know who it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going into next year, like if they don't upgrade a quarterback in the draft or for agency, then I do think that they're limiting themselves. But especially if they give Rudolph the reins outright, like I think a competition between him and Pickett, if you don't add to the quarterback room, that's pretty much a given. Like you don't want to just give the job right back to a guy that didn't exactly, you know, earn it just with this play on the field. But I think it also matters a lot who they decide what they decide to do at offensive coordinator, right? Do they try to stick it out with the guys they have, which would be a mistake in my opinion? Do they look for someone outside the organization to to bring something in that maybe fits Pickett better or whoever they mm-hmm. end up trying to go to quarterback with? Like that's going to matter more than anything else too. So, but that's that's a topic for another day. Let's jump into some news around the NFL that also might impact the Steelers. That also just could end up having the Steelers be a conversation as part of it. Uh, multiple head coaches gone. More could be coming. We have six openings currently, three in the in the middle of the season and three recently since the season ended. Uh, Arthur Smith goes from the Falcons. Obviously, that was kind of expected with the way their season ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Vrabel, a little bit more shockingly, I would say, yeah. gone from Tennessee today. And obviously, you lose um, Ron Rivera with the Commanders as well, which everyone also expected with the way their season ended. So, and that's on top of the Chargers opening up and the you know, Raiders and other teams. So. There could be more. There's still talk about Bill Belichick. Is that going to be a thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of feels still crazy to me, but at the same time, I get it on both sides, honestly. You know, the Saints have their issues with the way their game ended, even though they won. Like Dennis Allen kind of seemed like maybe he lost the locker room a little bit with the way that they kind of just went rogue, if you saw how that went. Um, a lot of questions still with some other coaches, but there's been some talk about Mike Tomlin. Not so much about any chance of him being fired, of course, especially with mm-hmm. how the regular season finished. But maybe talk about him wanting to walk away for a while, possibly. So different things have been alluded to that kind of make it sound like he may want to take a break from coaching. He's done it for a long time now, obviously. What do you do? You think there's any truth to that? I mean, obviously we won't know until after the season, and maybe longer. But do you feel that sense at all? Do you get that that feeling? Yeah, I think that there is more truth to it than what fans would want to admit, or they think that is actually happening. I mean, this came from Jay Glazer about a month ago, I believe. Yes. That was the in, first in, Glazer obviously has a, a connection 
with Tomlin, is friends with Mike Tomlin. And so, it, but this is hardly the first time that we're hearing this. I think it was Rappaport that also said back then. And then just recently, Adam Schefter said he that it wouldn't be a total surprise, paraphrasing, of course, uh, if Tomlin decided to take a say, take some time off. And so uh, this is not the first time that you would see this happen in the NFL. And I think the perfect example and something that almost mirrors it to a T is the example of Sean Payton mm -hmm. in his tenure uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Peyton was the, the head coach for 15 years in New Orleans. Obviously had a tremendous track record. Including oh, yeah. The Super Bowl win, uh, a bunch of playoff appearances, a bunch of playoff wins. And then all of a sudden after 15 years, he wants to take some time off. He has one year left on his contract, just like Mike Tomlin does right now, which is why it's it's so similar that way. Uh, takes that time off. The Saints are able to, to deal him to the Broncos for a first, second, and third round pick, future picks. And it's, I mean, now they just restock their draft capital. He wanted that fresh start. If Tomlin is feeling that way, like he's kind of feeling the pressure, like, all right, if Steelers lose this game, let's say they get massacred mm -hmm. against the Bills in the playoffs. This will be the first, the, excuse me, the third straight blowout loss in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. this will be the seventh consecutive season. The Steelers do not have a single playoff win and, yeah. and that right there and I, I have to mention this and again it's not against Tom I think Tomlin is a terrific coach and he's had a wonderful career with the Steelers Tomlin is the longest tenured coach in the NFL who still has a job who has not won a playoff game for that span and so yeah. it you if you don't have the, the 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 prerequisite if you don't have the reputation that Tomlin already had coming into this playoff play or playoff uh win drought then you don't keep your job this long. And so it, you'd never see somebody do that. And so I think that there is reason to, to walk both uh, sides of the fence here, Shane, where you can say, yes, Tomlin is a good coach, but we have seen this work out for other teams who have moved on from good coaches only to be better. And I give the Andy Reid example where the, the Eagles won a Super Bowl, what, two years later after moving on mm -hmm. from Andy Reid and going to Doug Peterson because they got a, a, a spark with that. And you could have a Hall of Fame coach and it still could be the right decision. It still could be time. Things get stale. And I think that we've seen that with the Steelers. And again, it's nothing against his his legacy like career. But again, if, if, if we do indeed go seven seasons without a playoff win, there is no other head coach, no other head coach in the league that can keep their job that long. And even if you give the, the Patriots example. Bill Belichick has not had a streak that long. His, his, his streak was a five-year streak. I think maybe six years this year, it was shorter than Tomlin's and he still might lose his job as the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. And so there comes a time for everybody. This is so similar to what we've seen with Sean Payton. And it wouldn't shock me. In fact, I think you could make a strong argument that knowing you could get draft capital out of Tomlin, you could get that fresh start you want and move forward with, the younger uh, GMs who want to kind of go in a different direction with things, it could kind of be that scenario that ends up working out for both parties. And I, I think that's the key thing here is I think the reason this happens isn't because of anything of them deciding, oh, well, you're not a good coach anymore, or you're not even a yeah. coach that we want to keep around. It's does Tomlin look at this and go, man, I've been at this for a long time now with the Steelers. We've been in this really weird place where like, I can't, I'm too good of a coach to lose to get premium players, but I'm also not quite good enough to get us over the hump with what we have. And there's an argument to be said, like how many coaches could do more than with this team than he does. And I think that list is short, but the, the issue ultimately, like you said, is, is it, it's a question of, is it just time for both sides to address this with a different move, right? Where he moves on to somewhere else, continues to coach and probably be a very good one. And for better or for worse, the Steelers decide we need to just try something else. I, I think that's the argument here. It's not so much whether or not Obama yeah. deserves to to have a job or have a job as coaching the NFL. It's more about is this the right combination of coach and team anymore? And I do think that's very much in question. And I think Tomlin's also maybe wondering that himself. I think that's where this is coming mm -hmm. from. I don't think the the front office or I don't think the the ownership is saying, hey, saying, hey, Mike, you might want to take a break for a while. <laughs> like, I don't think that's happening. I think that's all him yeah, if yeah. it is happening. And I think it'll be it'll be curious to see how how this plays out depending on how the playoffs go. But uh, we do have some comments here on this as well. Um, seven years with no playoff one will be a new ugly record since the Super Bowl era, era started in 1967. The old school Steelers fans know it. Yeah, it, again, the Steelers have been so consistently good for pretty much all of like mm -hmm. recent and even not so recent NFL history, right? They've been consistently great. 
there's been some blips there in the, you know, the 80s, obviously, and I'm, I wasn't around for that, but I've heard plenty of people talk about it and you know, everything like that. So there's there's definitely been lulls in, in their dominance, but this team is just so consistently always a part of things. And they're, I mean, we haven't had a first overall pick since Bradshaw. Like that, I mean, how many, there's so many years of being a team in the NFL and not having that pick. And there's, there's other teams that I think also fall in that category, but it's just really weird to think about, you know, with how long it's been, what do we look like after Tomlin and with mm-hmm. only having three head coaches in like 50 something years, it is just a weird feeling as a Steelers fan to even consider it. Yeah. And I think that the way that you described it is perfect, Shane, you don't fire a coach who has never had a losing season in 17 yeah. years. And it, say what you want about the stat. I, I think that it, it is impressive. You can say that it's cowers inherited team, whatever you want to say, uh, yeah. that's fine. But no other team does that at the same time. It, it's odd to have a situation where you don't have a losing season and yet you don't also don't have a playoff win in seven, it's in just seven years. It's really so weird mid place. It yeah, really is. And so you're in that situation and that's why I use the word stale. I think things have just gotten stale where you can bit, be yeah. a, an above average team and, but just plateaued. Like I think pl- uh, they've plateaued over the last five or six years, they really haven't gotten any better. And in fact, they might've gotten, they, they, they have gotten worse on paper. There's no doubt in terms of uh, their statistics, you measure them compared to the rest of the league, their point differential at the end of the season. I mean, stewards are, are I mean, a couple of years now with negative point differential, that's not really a recipe. And it really doesn't show uh, that they're as good as their record would indicate, uh, but they have plateaued. And I think if you go a seventh year, you've got to at least mull it over. If you're the Pittsburgh's front office, maybe you have a conversation with Tom and just say, hey, what do we think? Yeah, know, what are you thinking? I, what should we do? You, with, yeah, yeah, because I, I think that needs to be said. And like I said, Shane, I think that there's a very, very realistic scenario where this could work out for both parties if they mutually decided mm-hmm. to part ways if Tomlin doesn't find postseason success this year, Tomlin could go. He, he could essentially have his pick of the litter. You can go probably anywhere you want. I, I mean, and Tomlin is Tomlin's going to be a very, very marketable name. He's going to be able to pick between several organizations uh, in the city that he wants to be in. And the Steelers will be able to get their fresh start. They'll be able to bring in a guy with uh, maybe a little bit more innovative for today's NFL uh, someone who can hire their own coaching staff, get new guys in the, in the building. Who's not just one collective group think, uh, and then maybe find more success down the road. Now, in, in 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 the process of doing that, gain much needed draft capital to help rebuild the the roster of this next generation. So it is very interesting. This is not a storyline that's going to go away. I don't believe. I think this is going to be the talk of the Steelers offseason is what is going to happen with Tomlin. If I will say this, Shane, if the Steelers and Tomlin, essentially Tomlin decides this is what he wants. I really, really hope that he gives the Steelers the courtesy of letting them know extremely early in the process, like a week after the season ends, if he has a decision by then, because you could get wiped out in terms of the coaching candidates this year. There are some really, really strong candidates. I love Mm -hmm. a guy like Ben Johnson, Jim Harbaugh reportedly wants to come to the NFL guy has been guy wins 70% of his NFL games uh, in his four, four seasons as an NFL coach. So, so I, you just, there are prospects out there that would be like, boy, this is a perfect fit, but they'd have to know early enough in the process. Otherwise you could be left uh, getting the leftover scraps here. And you don't want that, especially knowing how long the Steelers have kept these head coaches. Each of their last three head coaches for the Pittsburgh Steelers have played a min or have coached a minimum of 15 years in that role. If the Steelers plan to do the same thing, the Rooney's plan to keep that guy for the foreseeable future. You're going to want a guy that's a really, really strong candidate. And so hopefully he gives them the due diligence. If it comes to that, again, this is all hypothetical. This is Tomlin's decision and basically his only. And that that's the thing about it. That's why it's really hard to, to talk about it too much because it's so – the Steelers just don't have this – we don't have this conversation about the Steelers, right? And, and not only that, but Tomlin is probably going to be the one who controls his fate, right? It's not a question of whether they want to have him leave, but I think it's going to be whether he feels it's best for him and maybe for the organization. And I think I, – I have a feeling he already kind of has a feeling about it, not necessarily regardless of the playoff success or lack thereof, but just in general his kind of feelings about where he's at and where the team is at. And I do think that if a decision is to be made, if there is one to make at all, I do think he will have that decision relatively quickly in the process and that, and that will help them. But, and you talked about, you don't want to get lost in the, in the hiring process. 
I will say, like, I wasn't obviously following it strongly at the time because I was about you know, nine years old, ten years old. But Tomlin mm. wasn't exactly the hottest name in the world whenever we hired him back in 2007. Like, it, yeah. it, he wasn't this, like, all-star, like, every single person, every single team was trying to hire this guy. Like, we've kind of, we kind of struck gold with him in terms of, like, he wasn't one of those premium hires. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to do that this time around if we if we can, but – but the way this team does things, like you never know if it's going to be another 17-year guy that was kind of obscure and they brought him in and he figures it out. I don't think getting that right four years or four times in a row is very likely. I mean, granted, the Packers have done it with quarterbacks and like other teams have done it with certain things, but it's certainly a question of like who would that guy be and what is and what is their identity, like what identity you want this team to have. So definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but – our last topic here, and this is something we just like, I wanted to do just because I thought it'd be fun. I just kind of laugh at ourselves a little bit. Uh, what were you most wrong about, or what were we most wrong about collectively, if we shared this opinion about this season? Like, obviously, the, the playoffs haven't happened yet. We could be right or wrong about our thoughts on the playoff success and everything else. But what do you think you were most wrong about, you know, looking at prior to the season starting about this thing? Absolutely nothing, Shane. No, <laughs> I, I know there. I know there are plenty of things that I was. We oh, obviously yeah. couldn't predict the way that this no, transpired no, I mean, here. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I will say I was very high on the draft class, and I'm glad that they they are looking good so far. Yeah, we were right um, about that for sure. I, I will say if if I go back to just the preseason, like let me talk about mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett for a second here. I was not a Kenny Pickett. And during the, the draft process, I had him 48th on my board. I had a 2-3 right. grade on him. However, when I watched the guy during the preseason, he swayed me a little bit, like he did with a lot of fans. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I did not expect the struggles during the season that we saw with him. I did not expect like 160 passing yards a game and just his inability really to get like just two score games, like to, to find a way to get like multi-touchdown performances or even like 200 passing yard performances. I thought it would come easier to him than what it did. And so I think I got my hopes a little bit too high uh, because of what we saw in the preseason, because of what I saw a couple of days down spent down in Latrobe for Steelers training camp. Um, I think, I think I kind of abandoned my initial uh, evaluation of him for, for a moment there to think that things would be better uh, than what they were. And I, I did predict the Steelers would go nine and eight. It's just not at all the way, that I thought it would go either. So I have to say that like it, it I think I had the Steelers winning all three of the <clears throat> Cardinals, Patriots and Colts games. So uh got the record prediction right. Did not get the games <laughs> that they would win and lose, correct? Yeah, and honestly, I think I'm there with you on a lot of this stuff and I, I wanted to throw this up real quick from uh, Ryan here. As a younger Steelers fan, I missed the fire we had in the late 2000s, early 2010s, superb defense but an offense that complemented them. Right now, we're a puddle of mad, it seems. I think for the most part, I agree with that. I think there's definitely some truth to that, that this team doesn't have the same aura around it that they had in those 2000s, early 2010s, right? There was yeah. a level of respect that other teams had to have when facing us that I don't think is quite the same. I think teams are still always worried that they're gonna we're going to drag them down with us, right? And I think that's what the Bills have to be worried about is when we're playing a team that we are clearly better than, all bets are off. Absolutely. We could end up losing. Like it's a whole thing, but we have a tendency to tear those good teams and bring them down with our, onto our level and make them duke it out. And that's kind of why the, that playoff game, as much as the spread is indicating that it's kind of a blowout op- opportunity. I'm not willing to say that it would be, but to, to what I was wrong about again, too, I think I was also swayed by Pickett. I was also a, a little bit bigger of a fan of him than you were for sure. Just in general. And I, I think the problem too, and, and you talk about the multiple touchdown games, to, to be fair, Mason has three touchdowns in three games, too. So like, yeah. this, this is a passing offense that just does not score the football. Mm-hmm. Right now, obviously, the running game has been a big factor of that. They've taken a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. But this passing offense is just so just not conducive to scoring points. And not, like not just like not good, but also not when even when they are good, it doesn't lead to touchdowns through the air. And it's really frustrating because, again, the numbers yeah. for Kenny – and Steelers quarterbacks just look so bad that it almost makes them underrated because they're not actually that like they're not playing at a like less than touchdown per game level. They just they don't score touchdowns in the air mm-hmm. with this team, and it and it sucks because as much as I don't think Kenny has proven anything to be a starter in this league long term, I think he still has a lot to prove if he gets a chance next year. 
it's almost like I feel like I almost have to defend him sometimes still because I'm like, he's not that bad, guys. Like, it's just the offense is so – like, they're so reliant on scoring touchdowns on the ground that it just looks worse than it is, right? Like, even yeah. Mason's two-touchdown game, like, he had to rely on, like, 180 yards of – almost felt like of yards after catch just to get them because we weren't in the red zone. He had to get explosive plays from Pickens. And, like, it just doesn't always happen, right? And, and it happened more with him in the last three games, but it's just – it's tough. It really is tough on this on this offense to score points through the air. So that is something I was definitely you know not super right about. I was definitely more on the you know, he could be a guy for sure. And we'll see if it plays out. And then my record prediction: Do I think it was ten and seven? It might have been nine and eight with you. I'd have to go back and look. But again, not the way I thought it was going to happen. I mean, I didn't think we'd beat the Ravens twice. I didn't think we'd go five mm-hmm. one in the division in general. Like being this team being five and one in the AFC North is so funny to me. And I understand one of those wins is with the Ravens playing their backups and everything else, but it's for this division to be easily the best in football, but like a huge margin winning like record wise, everyone has a winning record. First time that's been done in the, in the merger, like for us to be five and one in that division is just hilarious, right? Like makes no sense whatsoever. And that's why this team is so fun to talk about because we have no idea what to do half the time with it. Yeah, there's not a person that would have predicted that, honestly, no, Shane. Because no last year, every team in the AFC North went three and three, and they were all even yeah, Steven right against each yeah. other. Five and one. If if I would have told you the Steelers are going five and one <laughs> in the AFC North against the, the, the league's strongest division, you would be like, oh, this is like a 12, 13 yeah, win football team. They might be the number one seed. What the heck happened? Can he throw 30? Yeah, just nope. when you drop games against the Cardinals and the Patriots <laughs> and the stuff that you shouldn't lose. That's what makes them a, a, a team that's just <sighs> barely getting in with some outside help to get into that that final playoff spot there. And so uh, just so interesting how things ha- just transpired throughout the year. Just such a roller coaster ride, which is what we've come to see uh, in the past with this team. But and then it, it, somehow it always ends up in the same. Or we're, we're stuck in like Groundhog Day <laughs> where every time week 18 matters to the Steelers somehow and they all they, they need like a series of events to go their way, like in the final week for them to get into the, into the postseason, And so it's just interesting. It's, and it's so funny because we talk about this team and like how the Tomlin always gets his, his nine wins, right. Or in some cases, eight wins to keep him from being a losing season. And when, it, when we were seven and seven and we had to play a Seahawks team that was going to, that they were hoping mm-hmm. would make the playoffs or trying to fight for a playoff spot, a Bengals team that also was right there with us and trying to edge us out and then you go play the Ravens, granted backups, whatever, but you know that was because they got the number one seed the week before. No one was saying, oh, they're going to make the playoffs. No one was saying, oh, you know, Tomlin's definitely going to get his nine wins still, even with the way this team is playing. Yeah. And, of course, he somehow does it. And I'm telling you, there's something about that man in terms of, like, he is more committed. Now, he will never say this because he doesn't actually believe this. I really don't think he does. But there's something about, like, there's a pride within that organization for him of, like, we do not want to be the team that doesn't get him a winning season because that is, that would be devastating to everyone in that building. Cause he's done it with literally every other group of guys mm. he's ever coached with. And it did, it worked out. They go three, you know, the last three games, they get not even nine, 10 wins. Like that was maybe the thing that was at least surprising technically, even though it looked like it was going to be surprising the way it was going, he finds a way to get it done still. And we're right back where we always are. We're going to be picking in the twenties or should be right around the twenties. And, mm. We'll see how it plays out, but I think that's the so that's the part that's so funny about it, Tommy, is that every year we have the same conversations because they can't get out of that that middle ground of like, yeah, yeah, we're good, but like we're kind of not really good. But Tomlin just refuses for us to be bad, so we have to keep working with just being okay. And like, there's just it's always something with it, right? It's 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 always something. Oh, yeah. So it that it's it's fun to talk about though right like we we can't complain and that's the sad part is Steelers fans when they complain I'm like man I get it you want more I want more I know you want more everyone wants more just look at the Panthers for a minute like go go see how their fans are, are reacting to things go check out even the Bears who had a strong end of the year like they have so much uncertainty within their organization mm-hmm. like what are they going to do with all these picks is it going to work out are they going to blow it like and they just all of them assume they're going to blow it because they're all so afraid of them doing it, right? Like it's look around the league and, and think about like 
at the end of the day, we have less to worry about, even if we also have less things that could end up happening good for us. It's this weird mm-hmm. dynamic that we have. Yeah, we're spoiled, no doubt. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So we've yeah. had success for yeah. so long. I've yeah. lived through and enjoyed a, a pair of Super Bowl wins. Yes. And so, But yeah. I think that we get hungry for more of that. And I think that sure. that's where every Steelers fan is right now. Like, we don't want to go another year without this postseason success. And so that's where we are. And it comes back to that conversation again. Are we okay with being plateaued as a, a good but not great team? I, I think that we're getting hungry for that time. So much sure. so to the point where some people would say, yeah, I'd rather have the losing season if it inspires real change. And I, and that's I get the problem. idea behind that <laughs> as well. So not going to get it this year. I don't know. I mean, you, you make the playoffs like the Steelers did. Uh, they got the help they needed. And now are they going to do anything significant in the off season? That's going to, that's the, that's the million dollar question. And so we will see if they get the change that fans are hoping for. If not, can we expect more of the same again next year for the nth teenth year in a row? We'll see how that uh, transpires there, but it has been interesting. They make it fun riding that uh, roller coaster wave of emotions. So. Yeah, I will say Khan being the GM, I do think adds an element of mm-hmm. things that we just – there's an element of uncertainty because we did a lot in this offseason compared to what the Steelers normally do, right? We signed Siamala. We we trade up in the draft to get Broderick Jones. We, we do these things, right, to make this mm-hmm. stuff happen. And I think that does make me think more that even if we won 10 games and even if we somehow win a playoff game, right, which is possible. I'm not going to predict it, but it's possible. I think that Con will still look at this team and go, there's a lot of areas that need fixed. There's a lot of question marks yeah. still. And I'm hopeful that no matter how the season finishes out, that he's going to be the catalyst that says, hey, Mike, I know that we had a 10-win season. You probably want to run a lot of things back. No, <laughs> we're not doing that. We need to find a new offensive coordinator who actually can innovate things. If you're going to stick around, we have to add some some much-needed youth to the secondary and to the linebacker mm-hmm. core this, that, the offensive line still needs some holes plugged. Like, we got to go do this. It can't be just, well, let's just run it back with what we have. So I'm hopeful that's the case. But regardless of how it works out, happy to see them make the playoffs. Obviously never going to be disappointed about that. And we'll see if they can make some noise. I, I think it's more possible than you would if you would ask me, like, even seven, eight weeks ago. Probably would have told you no. Now we'll see if we can yeah. ride Rudolph for a couple more games and see if we can get him probably even more money, whether it's with us or someone else. So. We'll I mean, it, it's right. a playoff game, Shane. It's entry into the tournament. Yes. Crazier things have happened. We, we saw it. We saw the Ravens and Joe Flacco just get hot at the right time. So that's right. It's, that's right. Well, it, I mean, no, no reason to root for tanking. Obviously, at this point, the the pick is going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. The Steelers can't get higher uh, than X amount of pick. I think it it go nineteenth is the highest they can get. That is if every single underdog wins this week mm-hmm. and the Steelers lose. And so yep. the likelihood of that happening is not good at all. I mean, you're going to be picking in the 20 somewhere at this point. Let's see how far we can go. Yeah, right. uh, go Steelers we this weekend. Go. So. Absolutely. Got to, got to root for it at this point now that we're in it. Um, but that'll do it for us this week, guys. Uh, we will be back tomorrow on our main Still Curtain show. But this will be the first episode of the Curtain Call in a while. We'll be trying to keep doing this during the offseason. I'm probably going to try to make this more of a like draft focused and more just open discussion focused one. And we can let the main show be our actual breakdowns of news and things that we actually hear that we can talk about more directly. So again, every every Wednesday and hopefully Tuesday at 1.30 PM, you can expect us here Eastern time and you can follow me on Twitter at Shane Kubis on the screen here. And you can also follow Tommy here at Tommy Jagai. Just our names makes it simple and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.